0: Welcome to seed to Scale.
1: We're four investors with backgrounds as founders who I met at the engineering school at the University of Pennsylvania. Tim Young, Nahal Mehta, Hadley Harris, Vic Singh. We started ENIAC in 2009. With more than 80 years of combined experience building our own companies. We now lead seed rounds and bold founders who use code to create transformational companies. Starting a company from the ground up is really hard. In this podcast, we'll be having conversations with some of the most interesting founders, investors, and influencers. About the
0: ins and outs of building an early stage company.
1: We talk about it all. Funding, growth, and everything it takes to build a lasting business. Hi everyone, this is Tim Young, founding general partner at ENIAC Ventures. Today, I'm excited to be sitting with Brian Feinstein, partner at Bessemer Ventures, who focuses on vertical SaaS.
0: You know, part of the magic of venture capital is not just getting the thesis right, but finding the kind of extraordinary company at the right time. He's been
1: on the boards of Gainsight, MindBody, and led the investment in Procore. I've known Brian for a while now. Our past offer overlap in vertical SaaS investments, including Brightwheel. And he's been a great mentor and inspiration for my knowledge and understanding of vertical SaaS over the years. Hey, Brian, thanks for coming in today. So I think of you as a, a beacon of wisdom for vertical I don't SaaS know about that. in general, <laughs> which I think has now become actually sexy space within venture. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear about the kind of the early on in your venture career, gain sight, mind, body, like being in the room, um, watching these companies grow, comparing, those, comparing and contrasting those, like how did that instruct what you're doing today? Yeah, I mean, we, uh,
0: we came up with the vertical software thesis inadvertently, having seen vertical software businesses succeed, and I think the core insight, which is kind of obvious in retrospect, is um, at the time, You know, conventional wisdom said you couldn't build big businesses in vertical markets, right? Venture capitalists invest in big markets. Horizontal software companies go after big markets. These vertical markets are too small to support big venture outcomes. The core realization that we had from uh, investing in companies like MindBody is that while the, the markets for these vertical software businesses may be smaller in an absolute sense than a horizontal market, the market share that you can capture as a market leader in a vertical industry is much, much greater than what you could capture in a horizontal market. And so as an example, if you look at Viva, which is not one of our portfolio companies, but a company I admire a lot, Viva sells CRM software to the pharmaceutical industry. Viva today has north of 60% market share in pharmaceutical CRM. You look at Salesforce, which is a market leader in regular CRM software for a horizontal market, they've got something like 20%, 25% market share. And so once we, we had that realization, we started going, industry by industry, trying to identify these um, software businesses that can come to define and capture and, and dominate these vertical markets.
1: What are the drivers in your experience of that increased potential market share? Is it go-to-market? Is it side or is it functionality or uh, you know, like going I th- viral relatively quickly?
0: If I had to point to one thing that makes it possible for these vertical software businesses to get to 60% market share, it's the... It's the virtuous cycle of market leadership, and what I mean by that is once you establish yourself as the market leader, because the needs of buyers in the vertical market tend to be pretty homogenous, they tend to all buy from the market leader, and they all talk to each other, and they all you know, want to buy what uh, their peers are buying,
1: and so it's kind of like the the saying, no one gets fired for buying IBM. And then mind body is always, I think, an example that is a wake like a wake up call to people when they start venture and thinking about vertical SaaS. Right. It, yoga studios, it just seems right. the smallest so market ridiculous. Yeah. but yeah. it's you know, it market shares over a billion dollars. It, it peaked, I think, closer to two. Yeah. Um, how did you guys get your heads around that? Like, what, what's the analysis that you go through to identify these verticals and identify the companies you think are gonna break out in the vertical?
0: About five years ago, you know we went down the list of industries by GDP, um, uh, by IT spend, and you know construction is one of the largest sectors in the US economy. And so we we mapped out all the software businesses in that industry. We talked to all of them, we identified ProCore and we built conviction that they would be the market leader. And so we go through a kind of top-down market by market exercise and often that's, that's how we identify these opportunities. On occasion, someone shows up and knocks on our door and says, hey, I'm building a software business for a market you've never thought about. And, um, and that can be pretty compelling too. Um, but for the most part, we tend to take a, a top-down
1: approach. If I'm an entrepreneur thinking about starting a vertical SaaS company, or I'm a, say, I'm a seed investor thinking about yeah. investing in yeah. a seed deal in a vertical SaaS company, how should I evaluate the market? We wanna see a path to 100 plus million of ARR
0: and there's a few ways to triangulate around that one is you know you could do a bottoms-up analysis and say hey there are you know a hundred thousand general contractors in the u.s and on average um they spend twenty thousand dollars a year on our software therefore you know the addressable market is is x and we can capture forty percent of that and that's how we get to our financial goals you can go top down and you could say hey there's a trillion dollars of construction spend each year total in the u s economy in uh, commercial construction spend and um, and on average, our software uh, roughly corresponds to fifteen basis points of construction spend within our customer, and therefore you know we can our addressable market is fifteen basis points of the trillion dollar construction market, so you can go top down and then there's kind of this this magic and, and this mystery around two fundamental questions. One, how much of that addressable market can you capture? Is it 20%, is it 40%, is it 60%? And then two, once, once you get to a market leadership position, what else can you do with that customer base? And part of the wonderful thing about these vertical software businesses and part of the reason why we've seen some of them just continue to grow and compound over over you know very long periods of time is that once you have a relationship with a customer and you've, you've won them over and they love you, you can start building and selling and delivering new types of products. You look at MindBody. They started off in software. They layered on a consumer-facing marketplace. You look at a company like Procore they started off selling one software product and now they've over the past few years they've invested tens of millions of dollars in R&D to build complementary software products and they're now a multi-product company and then you know you look at a company like coming back to viva you know they they started off by dominating pharmaceutical companies in North America and now they're expanding globally so there are all these growth vectors mm-hmm. you know 5 to 10 years in that are very hard to you know model out but create a path for that multi billion
1: dollar outcome. You mentioned Procore and I'm still deeply fascinated with the journey of that company. Right. Starting in two thousand two, you guys invested in two thousand fourteen. Fourteen right correct. So the company's around twelve years. Yes. I'd love to hear how you identify this opportunity. Right. I think it's really right. particularly hard. It's one thing if a company's been around three, four years, everything's up and to the right. But yeah. been around for twelve years. Kind yeah. of more or less, like slow growth. Like, how did you, like, how did you identify this? How did you capture the opportunity? How did you talk them into taking right. so much money? Right.
0: Yeah we, we we like to we like to say it was uh, an overnight success, you know, twelve years in the making. Right. You know, as I mentioned, we take a top down approach where we go industry by industry, studying the dynamics in that industry, and um, we became fascinated by the construction software industry because for a few reasons one the market is massive you know there's there's over a trillion dollars of construction spent in the US each year and maybe five or six times that globally historically it was a market that was dramatically underserved by software you know most construction projects were operating with you know paper pencil walkie talkie fax occasionally email and we thought that there was an inflection point that was going to happen given the advent of iPads, tablets, mobile devices on the job site. You know, all of a sudden, folks in the field were carrying around computers in their pockets, and that would make it possible for the field to adopt software in a way that they never had before. You know, historically, construction software was limited to the, you know, headquarters or the trailer, and it was very much focused on kind of ERP and, and, you know, uh, financial analysis. No one had really captured construction project management end to end in the field. And so we mapped out the industry. We probably talked to over 20 companies in the space. When we finally met Procore, it was very clear to us that they were positioned to dominate this industry. Even if it wasn't quite there in the metrics, we had the conviction that the metrics would bear fruit. When we invested, the business was maybe at five or six million of ARR, growing something like 70% a year. Very shortly thereafter, you know, the business was you know, doing tens of millions of ARR, growing 140% a year. And, was that um, due to the capital?
1: Was that due to you, know, you guys being on the board and guiding their hand? Or was it <laughs> you know, a little bit of that and a I lot mean, of just the macro market conditions?
0: I think, I think it was a function of a few different things. One, the team had, had largely bootstrapped the business and had been capital constrained, so they never had the resources to pump up the volume on the sales and marketing side. And so our capital helped. We worked with the team to recruit a world-class sales leader and build a sales ops function. And so they went from picking up the phone and taking orders to actually selling outbound, and that was a game changer. And then finally, I do think that there was this kind of you know, market timing component. So looking at the verticals,
1: what's left? <laughs> What's left out there?
0: I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, we, uh, you know, part of the magic of venture capital is not just getting the thesis right, but finding the kind of extraordinary company at the right time. If we had met Procore a year earlier, two years earlier, it probably would have been too early. There wouldn't have been enough signal for us to build conviction. If we had met them a year later, it probably wouldn't have been too late. And so part of the exercise that we go through is going industry by industry and and refreshing those industry maps and those top down surveys, hoping to kind of catch a magical company at the right time. You know, in recent years we've been spending a lot of time looking at software focused on banks and, and the financial services industry, you know, as the relationship between consumers and their banks continues to evolve and change. And as you know, banks become increasingly under pressure from competition, from changes in regulation, digitization is top of mind for every bank that we talk to. We've spent a lot of time looking at software for the public sector. The largest vertical from an IT spend perspective is government. There hasn't been a ton of innovation historically on the software side. We're, we're hopeful that that'll change. There's been a lot of hype around machine learning. One of the most interesting applications of machine learning and deep learning is in verticals, because you have a finite corpus of data, you have a very clear set of questions, you have a kind of homogeneous, predictable user base that can, that can train your models. And the ability to make predictions and the ability to detect anomalies in vertical markets can be really
1: powerful from a, from a hard ROI perspective. So we do something we call the lightning round. Okay. Um, Where well, I just ask you a couple of questions and just give me the first thing that comes to mind. Um, what's the best part of being a venture capitalist? It's really
0: gratifying when you invest early in a business and there's a lot of unknowns and then it just exceeds
1: your wildest expectations. What is the most challenging part of your day?
0: In a given year, I'm making you know two or three investments, sometimes less. And so that means... 99% of the time I'm saying no
1: and that can be pretty heartbreaking um, what is the biggest miss you've had as an investor
0: that's a good question I try not to dwell on it let me, let, <laughs> let me get back to you on that. I think okay. I've like erased that part of my brain right what's the number one reason early stage companies fail I mean the common reasons customers don't like the product competition a competitor runs away with the market
1: and maybe the third is the founders don't get along Nice. Also I'd love to hear a bit about your journey. I <laughs> understand you were born in Russia. Yes. And came to the US as an immigrant. And i just love to hear a bit about that journey. And then six years at Bessemer, partner at Bessemer. So you've yeah. really been a, a swath of of life experiences.
0: Yeah, so I was born in Moscow in the
1: Soviet Union. And I've I've I fled
0: with my parents. We left when I was four years old and we moved up up and down the East Coast, grew up in New Jersey, just outside of New York. Started a company out of college, which didn't really go anywhere, but was a fun experience. And then I joined Bessemer as a junior professional, and I've been with the firm for almost 10 years now. It's been a great experience. I think it's probably what I'm going to do for the rest of my life and just die at my desk.
1: You're just learning every day. Yeah. Every day you're learning about new markets, companies, having really passionate people come in and just teach you about things and then you know, a few times a year, you get to join a team and help build a company. Well, thanks for coming in, it was really super, I think for the vertical SaaS um, enthusiast out there, I think this is super, super yeah, un- instructive. Yeah, all, all and- four of us. Yeah. <laughs> so where can people, where can entrepreneurs reach out to you? What's the best channel to reach you? What's your Twitter handle?
0: Just email me, just Brian. email me
1: at BVP. I read every email, respond to every email. Wow, okay. That's, uh, I don't know, how do you do that? Poorly. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, well, thanks for your time. I really appreciate you coming in.